will inbound. He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores at the buzzer, and the Nets win 120 to 118. I think we see Willis coming out. Here comes Willis. Carter, over to Kidd, baseline drive, Kidd throws it up, oh! How did he do it? Randall on the drive, stripped by Butler, Randall gets it back, Randall puts up a three, bang, bang, Randall knocks down the three, with seven tenths of a second remaining. With full court press coverage on all of the signings, trades, big games, and everything Knicks, Nets, and across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports NBA podcast, along with Chris Persianis and Neil Grant. I'm Colin Locker, and happy to be with you as we discuss the NBA play-in. And the playoffs, Chris, it's that special time of year once again. This is the time of year, Colin. The time of year. You've got March Madness. You've got your NBA play-in, NBA playoffs. It does not get better than this. And you know what? You know what adds on top? The cherry, if you will. What do we got? Will, what do we got, Chris? The weather. When, when you're going to Madison Square Garden for a playoff game in shorts and a T-shirt, it's different. It's different than, you know, if you if, if we were going as fans and not media, you know, you got the T-shirt, the hoodie, the jersey over the hoodie, the jacket over the jersey, the sweats, the second pair of sweats underneath, the two socks, the boots, the Timberlands, like something about shorts, T-shirt, little, you know, little wallet, phone action, and that's all you need. You're, you're good to go. A little pop of color, you know, maybe some Easter pastels, right? Get something going. And just have a day, have a day at the stadium. You know, have a day at the ballpark, have a day, whatever it is. You got the start of baseball. We got great weather. You're walking around Fordham University's campus. You're sneezing. There's so much pollen coming off these trees. It's gorgeous out. And you're watching play in and playoff basketball. This is the time of year, Colin Lockman. The. Will New York City bumping both the Knicks and the Nets are in the playoffs. What a time of year to be watching. It is. It's hard to top uh, Chris's uh, little spiel there. That was quite amazing. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say sneezing is a positive. But we're, we're gonna take right. We'll take it with the sun, like we like we, like com- we will. You know, it comes. It comes with the weather. It's a, you gotta. It's all part of the seasonal allergy journey, if you will. But I do want to discuss both the playoffs and the play-in. We will get to the New York teams that are in the playoffs. But first, we had some very interesting playing games. The Lakers defeating the Minnesota Timberwolves. They grab a potential seed in the playoffs. They're number seven seed in the league. They play the Grizzlies in the first round. Also, the Hawks defeating the Miami Heat. They play Boston, the seventh seed, in the first round. Tonight, which is almost as of Friday evening, the Bulls will take on Miami in Miami, followed by Alexander Sangler. The Minnesota Zoran Timberwolves will play Philadelphia. Chris, the playing games have been interesting because in many ways, they've kind of encapsulated why this is a game and why the league wanted to go the other direction. Whether or not you love it or hate it, it's easy to see why the playing is now a relevant topic of discussion within the NBA. Yeah, talking about baseball, right? How many games does a first-round series go? You know, it's it's a different setup. 
And you saw the wild card game develop over time into a wild card series. Maybe down the line, the NBA decides, hey, outlier shooting, you know, teams getting hot determines these playoff spots too much. Let's do a best out of three series for the play-in. I can see that. Maybe we see them expand it. Whatever it is, I love this idea from the league. I love it much more <laughs> than I dislike something like an in-season tournament, which has been added in the new CBA. What is that? It's not real. It's a. Yeah, it's I don't a, get it's it. It's like an NFT. It's like everyone thinks. <laughs> everyone's like, oh, that that's gonna be cool, right? So everyone yeah. else is like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, let's buy it. I don't know what that yeah. is. It, it, it's it, some teams are gonna play eighty-three games in a year instead of eighty-two. The players unanimously were like, we might need to play less games if you guys are so mad about load management. And the NBA was like, how about we add one more onto your schedule? So, listen, th- these, these play-in environments are great. And what I was talking about, that outlier shooting, all of that, that makes these games so fun, right? Torian Prince. Torian Prince, right? Dropped like seven, eight threes in the bucket against the Knicks. Instantly became one of the role player that turns into a star at MSG. You know, a Hall of Fame list member. Um, but in this play-in game, you know, he starts out four or five from deep. Guys like Tory and Prince can go out there and be stars in their roles and really get their skills, their skill sets, but their hard work broadcasted nationally. You know, these guys on teams that guys might not watch all year long. Um, OKC Thunder, right? Not everyone's league pass favorite, if I had to guess, but they outpaced the Pelicans and I see them to, to to you know get this discussion started a little bit. I could see it going similarly against these Minnesota Timberwolves. They're getting Rudy Gobert back. Um and they're gonna be slower, right? Carl Anthony Towns is Uber talented with the ball in his hands, but line him up with a you know a hundred guys from the NBA in a straight line race, you probably got a last place finisher. So between Towns and Gobert can this Thunder team without a center, really? They got Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, and they got Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara on the wing acting as like a de facto weak side rim protector to kind of simulate having a big man that can start. Uh, Steven Adams, not a Thunder anymore, you know? So um, I think they have a shot at outpacing them, and I don't think it'll be off the scoring of Giddy. You know, don't bet on another Giddy 30-point triple-double. But between Gilgis Alexander, between guys like... Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, J-Dub, as they call him, and Lou Dort. You know, one of those two guys has one of those outlier shooting nights. I think you're looking at the Thunder kind of outpacing the Wolves. So even just the fact that we can have such great discussion about a one-off play-in game, to me, is why this round is so great and why these upcoming games are so exciting. Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree. I think the fact that uh, they have the play-in tournament, it will eventually be moved to a three- or five-game Whatever they end up doing, but for now, I think it's very, very effective. Uh, the play, the Lakers game against the Timberwolves the other night just proved that exactly. Um, it's the second most viewed play-in game in this seventeen-game history, or now 20, 21 game history. Um, but I think the NBA they they did something right here. They get extremely lucky with having these guys like LeBron in these games. It's so lucky. In the last year, they had Katie and Kyrie. And they eventually went on to win and get into the playoffs. But I think the main reason for the play-in tournament is for teams with high-profile guys who were injured during the season to be given a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. Because a lot of these guys, if they miss 30 games in the season, their team starts to fall off. But then they can eventually get get back in with two-thirds of the two-thirds of the, the league competing for a playoff spot. So I think it's very effective. But <clears throat> I think they're also trying to get over that hangover of the NCAA tournament where – 
you get that one game, one shining moment, survive in advance type of feel. And that one type of win game opposed to seven straight games is so much better feeling when you when you when you watch it. And you get so many more more, more viewers. So that's my that's my little take on that. But I, I like the energy that the play in has. I, do. I feel like we're here on this pod hyped up to talk about it. And the playoffs have not started yet. This is just like a a wake up call from the NBA. All NBA fans arise, awaken. This is your time of the year. Let's get this going. And and we've had I, you know what? I was going to say we've had all great games that Atlanta Miami snooze fest <laughs> yeah. will not actually be making it uh in, in terms of qualifying for a great game. So I'll say we've had mostly great games so far and I project um you know if there's another snooze fest it might be Bulls heat tonight, but yeah. other than that I think we we're getting great games out of this playing round. So imagine if Chicago Bulls could have been um, anyone but a cakewalk for the Raptors. So you mentioned Lakers, LeBron was very good against the team of the Speaking of superstars, you got Demar's daughter. You know that was, I mean, it's unbelievable that storyline. <laughs> United DR. United offered to fly her no to the game tonight. Demar said no. Why? Cause she just yeah, well, she, she doesn't have school. <laughs> he said it's too much. That's too much. All right. Well, I guess he didn't want to be like embarrassed or something. Uh, like you know, have her become like a national star, and then know, everyone's I like, know. "Oh, the Bulls lost. It's this girl's fault." <laughs> <laughs> you know how people get. You know, so. It is a wild storyline, but nonetheless. Have to mention LeBron: thirty points, ten boards, six assists against the T Wolves. Anthony Davis was very good too. Played forty-three minutes, put up twenty-four points, had fifteen boards, four assists. They're going to factor into the Lakers' success if they're going to have any as we go through the playoff season. Two more playing games are going to happen tonight. I want to get your guys' thoughts on them before we switch to that New York topic that we love so much. Bulls Heat in Miami, Thunder T-Wolves in Minnesota. Guys, I'm really liking where the Heat are in this matchup. Specifically, it's at home. The Bulls have been a little flaky last year and change. And then as far as OKC and the T-Wolves go, after the Rudy Gobert saga, I'm not touching the T-Wolves. WWE level drama in the NBA and I come on pick and pot and I I got a lot of takes off about oh you know sports analysts all they do is talk about you know what the stars had for breakfast and who's who's having drama with who and here on pick and pot we talk about you know the X's and O's um Rudy Gobert tried to punch Kyle Anderson in the chest so he did not get to play uh, we will engage in a little drama. You know, did the Timberwolves look better without him? Uh, you know, a little, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I do have to say, I think with Gobert back, they're going to slow down. Edwards, even if he has a great game this time out, might not be enough. You know, will Carl Anthony Towns have 40 in a loss? You know, could we be looking at this t- this kind of game? 138-134 final. The Thunder edging it out because Gilgis Alexander had 34, you know, like I and, and nine assists, right? Like, I really think we're going to have a, a high powered matchup ahead of us here, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that uh, a lot of people might have money on the Timberwolves, but I think they were already out of this play in tournament before Monday's game started or Tuesday's game started. When you have another player on your team, who is fighting with another player on your team, you know in the back of your head the other team's already gotten into it, and they, they're probably going to win. This is not good for chemistry. There's nothing positive about this. You might try and flip and spin zone it, saying, you know, they just care so much. They want to win. They want to come together. They need to understand each other. But no, you, that's not how a team works. A team addresses stuff off the court, not in front of the public limelight. Well, I, I don't know if you know this, Will, but I'm going to throw a little information at you. That what do you I got? Think, I think Will 
be interesting to you. There is a writer out in Minnesota whose name is escaping me because I'm just thinking of how juicy this bit is, right? But they're doing a piece on Kyle Anderson's leadership. They were interviewing Timberwolves players. And the day before that game, Rudy Gobert spoke on Kyle Anderson's leadership. And he told that reporter, he can definitely be aggressive, you know, but you can't take it personal. You know, it's about he wants what's best for the team. And, yeah, you know, yeah, he's aggressive at times, whatever. But, you know, he's a great leader, and he really, you know, tries to lead by example and, and whatever, whatever. 24 hours later, Rudy gets Punches. so mad at Kyle Anderson's leadership that he tries to punch him. That's clearly a team, like you're saying, with issues behind the scenes. But they came out of one. They came out. They they came out, and well, they uh you know maybe maybe they, uh not projected to win a playoff series, not projected to uh win in even tonight's game by many. But to me, they won when they made it work without Gobert, and like I yeah you know, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do. And um, and and to me, it's like when they made it work with that forty million dollars of the salary cap on the bench, mm-hmm. that shows that between Edwards, between Towns, like you have things to work with here. Even uh, Andrew or not Andrew, uh, Anthony Edwards shooting zero for nine from three. If he made two or three of those, the game's over. I, you know, I'm, I'm not you, I'm, just two or three. I'm not usually in the business of moral victories, but I, I, I think no, I think I, you're definitely right. You're, I think, you're flipping me here. I think they won mm-hmm. when they made it work without Gobert, and yes, they do actually now have to literally win the game, <laughs> um, as opposed to morally <laughs> win it. But I do think that they're in a good spot for that tonight. Now. Like I was saying, the Thunder, the matchup gives me a lot of um, pause. But if these guys are the talents you think they are, they should be able to come out and get the job done against this OKC team. The other matchup, I think, little little just reflection on the league. Like Teams used to mean a lot. Division rivalries used to mean a lot. Um, yada, yada. Jimmy Butler is playing his old team in the Chicago Bulls like nobody cares <laughs> like no. that is a great point Chris <laughs> nobody you cares. don't even think about that <laughs> no one cares and the, I think the bigger storyline was DeMar DeRozan going back to the Raptors and that, that was bigger than Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler was like embodied yeah Bulls. so you know for me it's like we don't really care about these revenge stories as a public fan base of right. the league anymore which is interesting because you well, know just LeBron a, goes back to Cleveland person. and that's what's going to be the story but right. you know these other big stars Jimmy Butler could be top 10 in the league today and then no one cares. But um, he's also been on a few teams in between. You know, one or two. Minnesota. Philly. Philly. Quick yeah. quick stints. Quick stints. Cup, cup of coffee with Minnesota, a little Rachel <laughs> Nichols national drama and and then he got out of there. You know, it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. It's always a recurring theme, drama. Listen, that's why we That's why it's addressed in the intro to pick and pot all the drama around the league yes it's it's in abundance listen i look at these matchups to me is pretty simple jimmy butler is on the heat and not the bulls i think he'll bring his best tonight it's a home game the crowd will show up in south beach i'm liking the heat to win that one as for the other contract the crowd will show up in south beach did you see the other night Colin? They'll show up at it halftime was, and, and you know what you know what they always tell me because i i do podcasts with different heat content creators and journal and, and and they'll always say oh well, the Miami traffic is so bad New York traffic New York and LA are 
And, and, and if you look at the Knicks, fans are five, six minutes late into the first quarter is when everyone's there. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the first quarter, especially by the middle of the second and the latest halftime, everyone is there, right? And that's a big city, whatever. The Miami Heat couldn't sell 75% of their seats. If they were offering them outside, hey, come see the second half of the game for $3. They couldn't get people to come. No one goes <laughs> to those games. The seats are empty. They pump in the crowd noise. They've got that big they dodo do. bird jumping around, the, the orange bird. It's not a, It's not an anti-heat argument. It's they're not, they, If you look at the stats, they don't fill the seats. The fan base doesn't care. Or rather, the fan base went to Los Angeles. If there's a time for them to wake up. <laughs> oh, that's true. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I just think Shea Gildas-Alexander has arrived. Whether or not you want to uh, accept that is at your discretion, but I, I think he's in for a big game. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if he will have some guys on their team, obviously like Anthony Edwards, that can ball out. And Jaden McDaniels, who they gave up extra picks for Rudy Gobert to keep, you know, like the Jazz were saying, yeah, you do not have to give us all these picks, just throw in McDaniels. And yeah. the Timberwolves were like, that's our guy. Mm-hmm. And now you look throughout the season, I-, I saw a really interesting statistic, which which compared the first couple years of Tatum and Brown to this year of Edwards and McDaniels. Hmm. And I thought it was very interesting. Jaden McDaniels is creating offensively, getting to the rim and scoring at a rate different than before in his defense. I mean, he should be all defensive second team. He should be. He's great. And so, really, Minnesota has something burgeoning. You know, not every duo of young wings is going to pan out, right? Kevin Durant and Jeff Green were once the Tatum and Brown of years past. Everyone said Jeff Green was going to be a superstar. And while, you know, Uncle Jeff is still throwing it down at 36 years old or however old he is, I got to say, he never panned out to be a star. But Edwards and McDaniels is that new duo of me, of young wings that I think have a lot of potential. And McDaniels is going to be missing this game tonight. Anyone like to elaborate on why in the class, or do I have to say it? He punched a wall after Rudy Gobert punched and missed his teammate, and they lost the game. He punched a wall on the way back to the locker room and fractured his hand so severely that it's like a three-week minimum return. Like, it's just not – this is not good. It's not good. No, he punched the wall. Yeah, he punched the wall. Did you, was there a video of it? Yes. No way. He's walking to the locker room, and he punched a wall out for the playoffs. Talk about dysfunction. The, so, you know, this is what I was trying to say here is that, you know, they've got a lot of promise, and they still just blow it. Um, I'm with you on the Thunder tonight. They're plus five and a half if you want to talk lines. I think taking the points there is is the way to go. That's your unofficial. Yeah. That's your unofficial pick and pod. I definitely take the points there on Thunder. Um, I think I'm allowed to talk gambling. Yeah, your, 21, your unofficial pick and pod gambling. Yeah, game. but I th- I think you're right, Colin, about um, the Thunder winning outright. But I think Gobert back 
might spark a little something to, for them to be able to, uh, you know, make a make a serious run at these playoffs. We'll have to wait and see. Bulls Heat, 7 o'clock on TNT. Thunder Seawolves, 9.30 on ESPN. But, guys, there is playoff basketball coming to New York, as we mentioned at the top of the pod. Knicks and Cavaliers, first game of that series, Monday, or no, Saturday, April 15th in Cleveland. Chris, this has been a long time coming. There was a certain point this year when you just knew the Knicks were going to make a playoff push. It has happened. They're in the dance. Julius Randle not cleared for contact. He's questionable for game one. He might, yeah, I was going to say. It's it's trending towards not playing in game one. So now it was earlier in the week. It was looking like he would play. Now we're trending for him. I think we were always trending towards him setting this one out. I think um, with how much, you know, I was there at the Nick game, final game of the season. And um, I thankfully did not ask Nick's PR if we could speak to Julius, but one of the other beat guys did. It was a very resounding no. And and it was like, well, uh, I, I won't ask him about the injury, just about the upcoming series. And the PR guy was like, yeah, good try. No. Um, so they didn't let him speak to anyone, but he was he was at the game without a boot, walking up and down the baseline. Doesn't mean he can play NBA basketball. Walking up and down a baseline from his kid and his wife to the Knicks bench so he can be part of the team, that's different uh, than you know running full speed, changing direction full speed, um, jumping full speed, all that stuff. So I-, I would say Randall's always been trending towards not playing in game one but playing in game two, and I think as we approach game one, we're looking more and more like, like that might be what happens here. think the Knicks need Randall Neal to compete against the Cavaliers and to win comfortably, but I do think they'll give him a push no matter who ends up being on the court, because for all of everyone hemming and hawing about how you know they have those two guys down low who are a big dude, they do different things for you, they're 25th in terms of rebounds per game. Like, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sold on the Cavaliers. I think if you can shut Mitchell down, uh, you have a good chance of you know, pulling a game without Randall. Depending on when he comes back, that puts you in a prime position to then take the series. Obviously, the Knicks haven't won a playoff series since, I believe, 2012, 13, around that time. So now... 13. You're in a... 13? They beat uh, the older Boston team and then were gassed against Indiana, where Roy Hibbert turned into Tyson Chandler Deluxe. So now you're in this place... I think Chris knows a little better than I, but um, and you too, actually, Colin. You know, I'm, I'm in the room here with two Knicks beat reporters, so excuse me if I have a wrong take, but I think Emmanuel quickly might be the catalyst for this entire series. I mean, a guy stepping up like that, putting up 15 points a game, he should be getting about 20, 25 with Julius on the bench, or not the bench, I guess in the <laughs> in the locker room. But there's a there's definitely a call here to. Emmanuel quickly, and I think he's definitely separated himself from these young guys over the course of the season, which you guys know, Obadiah Toppin, McBride. I think that Emmanuel quickly is just rising up and becoming a superstar himself. One thing I do want to highlight, Chris, we had a podcast maybe two, three weeks ago where we had talked about just this very dynamic of them not having Randall in Chicago. And I had said then that Brunson would have to be extra special. 48. He put up 48 points against the Cavaliers just after we had that pod. Also, what I liked about it, nine assists 
while putting up the forty percent. If he can do that now, you're not getting that every game. But if he can do just seventy five percent of that performance for the series, you have to like the New York Knicks. I think a lot gets lost in translation between eye test and stats. I think you need both. I think both are necessary. I said that twice because I seriously think that if you are a, a basketball evaluator and you think that you know numbers so well that you don't need to watch every game, or what annoys me more personally, you think that you know the game so well when you watch it that there's nothing you might have missed and that you won't even look at the numbers, you're probably wrong. And if you're right, you're accidentally right. I'm not giving credence to any process that does not involve both of those schools. But they disagree when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. If I had to poll you two right now, you know, possible answers, top 10, top 20, top 30. Where do you think the Cavaliers rank in rebounding since the All-Star break? Will, top 10, top 20, top 30, Cleveland Cavaliers in rebounding since the All-Star break? Just would you guess they're in which third of the league? The first. They got Mobley. They've got Allen. Yeah. Colin? Well, no, I know that they're 25th in terms of rebounds per game. So I'm going to go since the All-Star break. Since the All-Star break. I'm probably looking at top 20 because I think it might have gotten a little bit better over the course of the year. Tried dead last in the NBA. Since All-Star break. 30th place in the NBA in rebounding since the All-Star break for a team with two tower terrorizing, you know. I, they stink at rebounding. And the Knicks... This is something that you and I have discussed throughout the year as Knicks beat guys. Um, is it has to be a strategic advantage that they've targeted heavily. It, it's not by coincidence. It's not, oh, Thibodeau really has them trying, you know. Uh, they weren't this good at rebounding under the first two Thibodeau teams, right? But you look at Othella Harrington coming in as a big man coach. All three Nick Biggs are top ten in the NBA in box outs per game. All right, so there's process there. There's real work being put in. But you take a look at the games themselves, you got Josh Hart jumping over people for offensive rebounds. Quentin Grimes, well-built, quickly, got bulky this season. That's why he's able to be effective at the rim offensively, able to get some boards, able to defend a lot better. Not good at rebounding to start the year because that Achilles was bothering him, and he couldn't move that well. And he he was right next to the ball, and he'd get out-jumped for it. And now he's a, he's another stud there, so... Uh, you see the Knicks, especially with Robinson, with Hartenstein, and with Josh Hart, have really attacked the strategic advantage of offensive rebounding specifically, but rebounding in general. I think that, you know, my three playoff my three playoff tags, Colin, number one, game slows down. Number two, the court shrinks. Number three, every possession matters. And for that number three, every possession matters. The Knicks are going to create a lot more possessions for themselves. So the key is going to be to do what they can do on the rebounding to limit the turnovers offensively and and really, you know, it's the playoffs. You got to be the best version of the best version of yourself. For the Knicks who run a lot of isolation offense, that's going to mean making a lot of those shots. A lot has to come together for this Knicks team to beat a, a, a more talented team in Cleveland. But I do think that with how the Knicks are built, the specific strategic advantages that they've attacked via roster construction and their overall team chemistry and, uh, you know, their coach and all like all of the factors, all in all, I think you're looking at Knicks in six. And if I had to give a, a second 
prediction, I'd go Cavs in seven. And because if this game goes to this, this sorry, if this series goes to seven games, bet your bottom dollar that those two guards that love to shoot from above the break and Garland and Mitchell, one of them is going to pop off. That's all. It, that's all it takes, right? But if the Knicks can play their game, I think they can beat the Cavaliers in six. Yeah, I would agree. My pick on the record will be Memphis in five. I just think that the Knicks just specifically go against what the Cavs that is a powerful thing when you get to this time of the year. I also want to put a spotlight really quickly on Josh Hart. I think he's going to have to be really good off the bench in this series. He's got a little bit of a spark plug mentality that he's shown all year. That's going to have to continue. Last time out against Cleveland, he had 11 points, 7 boards. That's about what you need from him, from him throughout this series. I think if he can give you a little bit more scoring, all the better, because we don't know what Grimes is going to look like as a young player in the playoffs. I think quickly is mature enough to where you kind of know what you're going to get this time around in the NBA playoffs, but any contribution you can get from Josh Hart will be a necessary one and a needed one and an appreciated one from Knicks fans. I do want to touch on this other series that's happening in New York, the Nets and the 76ers. I'm going to go first here because I have a strong opinion about this series and why I'm going to start with the numbers guy. I'm not picking the Nets to win this series against Philly and Joel Embiid and all those boys, Frank Nelson, but I think it goes to a six. I really am going to stick to that because I think for the Celtics, this is going to have a destruction series. This is going to be the coming out party. I've said it for the longest time. I'm still a believer in what the Nets now have to work with. Even if this isn't the team going forward, better days are coming in Brooklyn, and I really believe that. Philly this year, sixth in field goal percentage. Right behind them is Brooklyn. In terms of three-point percentage, Philly has the best three-point percentage in basketball per game. On wow. But Brooklyn has the type of defenders who can play really good deny defense and stop you outside the perimeter. At that rate, you're going to let Joel Embiid do whatever the hell he wants in the paint. If Nicholas Claxton could stand there like a cardboard cutout, Philly wants to shoot the three. They want to play that style of basketball. They have the guys that can do that. Really, their interior presence is Joel Embiid. Guys like Harden, guys like Maxi, they excel in those in-between spaces. They excel outside the three-point arc. If Brooklyn can shut them down in my mind, and Will, as the Nets beat reporter here at SVZ, you can back me up. I think that if Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, guys like that, Cam Johnson, can play solid defense on the outskirts, you don't even really got to hope that Claxton is superb against them. He kind of just has to have some semblance of a presence. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a decent series. I don't think they're going to get scraped in the way that the national media is portraying them. Yeah, I agree. They're coming in as n- minus 900 favorites. I guess it moved today to minus 1,000, which means a lot of the public is heavy on the 76ers at the moment. The regular season record, 4-0. They've been outscored by 45 points total in those four games. But I do think that there is a lot of potential here for – I like what you're talking about with Mikhail, Mikhail Bridges. This is his coming out party. I think he's already came out um, this season when he led in 28 of his games. He led the team in – and 18 of them in points. So I think he's definitely got that superstar role. Um, But people forget about Cam Thomas, too. There's a three-game stretch in February when he had 44, 47, and 43 consecutively. Um, There's always going to be an opportunity for him to score the ball. Now with Dinwiddie, um, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, I think that those five guys can potentially score and put the ball in the basket. And the thing with Claxton, which is very interesting. He's just got to be a bit of a presence. I think he's a lot better than a lot of dudes in the NBA in that position. 
Joel Embiid's by far the best. So not by far, excuse me, is is the is one of the best. So I think that that matchup is heavily favored for the 76ers. But everything else, you got James Harden. He's not typically that great in the playoffs. And you don't have much else sort of behind there. What do you think? Do you think that they're deep enough to go with this deep Nets team? Oh, listen, I'm taking Philly to have the series. Okay. I don't think the Nets are going to magically pull off an upset. Right. I'm saying that this is going to be the feel-good story for just in time going forward. But okay, like we have something to work with. We're not really dead in the water here. I don't view Philly as a championship team when you stack them up against Milwaukee or Boston. I think that the minute they have to play one of those teams, the wheels will come off the bus. I don't care how good Joel Embiid is in that situation. I agree with you, Keith. He's one of the best players in the league. Top three. He's going to win MVP this year. But, you know, it's it's a team game. One guy very rarely transcends what this team has perspective-wise. And in this instance, I think Brooklyn is good enough to win one or two games. I don't see Philly as a championship team, but the thing's not that far away from where Philly is right now. If they had a Whoa. guy at center who was equivalent to Embiid, they're white. <laughs> yeah. If the, <laughs> dude, the Charlotte Hornets had a guy at power forward that was equivalent to prime Carmelo Anthony, I'm sure they'd be good too. It's just the thing is these players come a million dollars a dozen. <laughs> you know, like it's not it's not a – it's not a dime a dozen kind of deal. And, and you know, those kind of players are what makes the league run, right? At the end of the day, those guys are, are the orbit. You know, the, the, the orbit surrounds those guys. Joel Embiid can walk onto a basketball court and drop 30 points by getting to the free throw line whenever he wants. Um, the notion that Nicholas Claxton is going to have a, a say in stopping that um, is not laughable because Claxton is a hardworking, fun young player. But certainly wrong. Um, I, I think there's no shot that a team who doesn't either have a, a scheme like the Knicks where they have a Robinson and a lot of physical defenders around him, which Embiid would still score 30 on, or a team like the Bucks with someone like Giannis who is one of these otherworldly talents who you can put towards stopping another one of those superstars, I, I don't think anyone is slowing that guy down. Um, if you want to argue that the way in which the game will be officiated in the playoffs will take away free throw attempts from James Harden and Joel Embiid, that's cool. Those guys do that so much because they can, not because they need to. They thrive without the free throws. They drop triple doubles without the free throws. It's the free throws that get them from 30 points to 45. It's the free throws that get them from 18-point triple-double to 30-point triple-double. And so, sure, maybe they'll see less points per game in terms of free throws, but... Um, Mikal Bridges, you know, is someone who is about to get actual defensive attention thrown at him, like serious playoff defensive attention. And do I think that he'll actually be able to be a shot creator despite that attention? Yes. I think he can be a shot creator even though he's getting honed in on. But what happens to that efficiency? What happens to the Nets defense being what puts them over the top because they're all bought in? Now it's barely hanging them in by 10. And I think you just see a very different game in these playoffs, and especially with when the game slows down and you've got real stars on the other side. I'm, I'm going to tell you, this this playoff outing for the Brooklyn Nets is going to end the exact same way that the last time the Brooklyn Nets made the playoffs with a young, fun team and faced the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. 4-1. and one. You're going to get the same ending here. No, no one, no one Parallel 
exits for Brooklyn. The the facade, the dream, the fantastic future of, oh, it's only up from here. And turns out those were your good days. You should have enjoyed them while you were in them. They're back. They got back. Good for them. This is the bare minimum. It's time to build from here. 11 and 13 since the trade deadline is nothing to hang your hat on. I agree. No one's arguing the point of winning the first round. No one. I wouldn't tell you that. No one in their right mind would tell you that. What I am telling you is that I think Frank with Josh Warren is just as good as he's ever been with Giannis. Oh, he's, he's been great. And he should have been the head coach last season. The, 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 the thing that NBA teams do where they make the experienced black coach be the lead assistant or associate head coach to just to hire from out of the organization some guy who's been fired from three jobs already, like, give it up, you know? Just give the give the guy the job. He he, he won't bite, I promise. Like, geez, like J.B. Bickerstaff had to be an interim like four times before he got a head coaching job. I mean, it's it's gross. Sorry, go on. It's more possible that you slow down someone like James Harden to probably use max space. That's very possible because it's been done in the playoffs before. Boston did it last year against KD and Kyrie. It's been done to Harden in the playoffs in the past. So I just, I think they eke out a game, maybe two. Philly's going to still win in the series. Will, any final thoughts as the next reporter in the room on this team's chances? Um, Like I said before, 4-0 and or 0-4 and for the Nets this season against them. I hope it's not going to be that same record um, in this series, but I think with the help of McCall Bridges going off for 40-45 one night and Nick Claxton playing some solid defense on Joel Embiid and hopefully Embiid getting into some foul trouble, James Harden might not be not might not be making his shots. I think they could win in, or lose in five or six, but it's I don't know. I think the dream's kind of dead. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to be so uh, straight to the point, but I think that, yeah. mentioned six o'clock saturday on espn that's going to do it for us here on pick and pod you can listen to us on wsbb.org spotify or wherever you get your podcast along with chris Kostein and Nate grant i'm colin rocker saying so long pick and pod is a production of wsb sports